Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're exploring the digital revolution and all of its ramifications these days, particularly in the red hot area of industry clouds. We're delighted to have today two top executives from Infor to hear about what Infor is doing in this dynamic space. We've got CEO Kevin Samuelson and CTO and President of Products Soma Soma Sundaram. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us here. Great. Thanks for having us, Bob. We're really excited. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, Kevin, Soma, tell us a little bit about, I know uh, Infor has been around for quite a while. You've got a strong presence in the industry cloud. Give me your view, please, if you would, about what you think of this. This It seems like it's a fairly new uptick in very, very strong demand for this sort of uh, solutions that you're offering. Yeah, maybe I'll start and, and Soma certainly pile in. We are certainly seeing a ton of demand. Um, you know, Soma and I have been with the company actually since it started way back in 2002. And you know, when we started the company, we had a view, uh, as you probably know, I wouldn't say ERP companies or enterprise software companies are particularly loved out in the broad market. There are reputations for long uh, implementations that can cost tens or hundreds of millions. Um, a lot of times ROI isn't there. So the thesis that we had when we started the company was if the software itself and the people around it really went deeply into industry, that would reduce the need for long implementations, lots of customizations, and make for a much quicker and better experience to, to go live and ultimately to value. Uh, we also had a view that, that integrations uh, caused all sorts of issues for customers, not just an implementation, but an ongoing basis. And so what could we do to, to facilitate easier combinations with, with our software as well as others? And well, it took us a long time to build the company. We did lots of acquisitions. As we're sitting here today, uh, it does feel like companies want to return on their investment a lot more quickly. They're facing much more material business issues and disruption. And in that environment, the ability to get to value quickly, the ability to bring industry best practices, both in our software as well as our people, uh, it seems to really, really resonate. And so we're having a lot of momentum and good luck and, and so far it's paid off. Great. Great. And Soma, please, well, how about your perspectives too? Because as Kevin said, I know both of you have been, you know, uh, within four for a number of years and have seen a, a whole lot of changes over those, those 20 years or so. Yeah, just to just kind of add to, to what Kevin said, you know, so if you really think about industry specificity, right? If you want to go after a select set of industries with uh, what we call last mile capabilities, right? That means last mile functionality, last mile content. Um, and to be able to do that, fundamentally the, the, the solutions have to be architected in a way that it only addresses, you know, uh, uh, adjacent set of industries. Right? You cannot be solving a problem in aerospace and defense, and the next day you're solving the same code base, solving a problem in, in a dairy company, because they're very different, right? So, so our whole strategy was let's build pil uh, pillars. We don't call them ERP anymore, cloud suites, a suite that is, that's got a hub, which only serves adjacent industries that, are, that have commonality. And we have, we have four, four different hubs that really drive what we are trying to, to, to go into last mile uh, functionality. So that is unique approach in the market. No one else to our knowledge is doing that. It, it does create extra burden on, on us as a provider to really carry these engines and build functionality in there, but it seems to actually be much more effective than having 90,000 switches you have to tweak 
to get anything to work uh, in a in a in a for any particular industry. Yeah. So, so, I mean, Kevin, after that, you know, that that perspective that you've offered there, it, it's interesting. Um, we started a new newsletter called it's not a very exciting name, but it says what it is, industry cloud newsletter to try to focus on some of these new developments. And the issue that came out yesterday, the, the theme of that issue was, you know, the end of traditional ERP. So uh, both Kevin, from what you said about in many ways, the customer's sentiment toward ERP, and so how you described it, you know, you don't use the term, it's cloud suites. It, it seems like these industry suites or industry solutions have the potential to put ERP maybe in a place where it still does some good things, but you get more of that industry specificity on top that that becomes sort of the brain trust for corporations moving forward. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> well, we're biased, but we certainly agree with that, with that perspective. Um, Again, if you if you get to the heart of what companies are looking for, um, they're not looking for ERP. Uh, they're looking to make their business grow more quickly, become more profitable, and ultimately that comes down to processes and data. And those do happen to be extremely industry specific, whether it's supply chains or how the shop floor works or interactions with customers. Um, there's a lot uh, of similarities once you get into an industry. So someone mentioned dairy. Think about how unique that industry is, the supply chain, how they have to store, weigh, sell materials. Uh, having to figure that out with every implementation over and over again is extremely inefficient. And again, they, they don't think in ERP, they think we've got a process. We need to not just do the accounting, but we need to manage the shop floor and the, and the supply chain and all the pieces in between. And we wanna figure that out, not have right. to piece all this together on our own. And so if you think about where that goes in the future, and you're really solving business problems, it does create probably a different outcome over time. Yeah, Kevin, I, I have yet to meet a CEO who walks around thinking, gee, you know, I really have to think about enterprise resource planning today. It's, it's not that that function isn't important, but it, the, there's no context to it. And it was, a, it was a terrific tool, you know, for a number of years for a certain set of needs. But I think the way, right, that modern digital business is happening in this, this uh, customer or consumer driven economy, there's got to be so much more capability deep inside the, the various industry segments or else, you know, as Soma pointed out, you could have an aerospace or defense uh, company using the same software as a dating company. It, it just doesn't make sense in 2021. Yeah, and, and maybe to take one step further and, oh, Soma, do you want to go? No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it'll take one step forward, but certainly some will pile on. You know, I think the alternatives in the market, if you think about it today, um, either you go with a single multi-tenant platform that is the same platform for every industry, and in which case you really don't have the capability of going deeply into industry and solving those problems. Or you take either a hosted or on-premise solution. And again, it's the same solution across all industries and you've got to do massive amounts of customizations to make it work, which again, you're back to that old paradigm of huge cost, low ROI, rigid systems moving forward. Um, and so, you know, with those alternatives, that, that's where we feel like we can be quite different. To Soma's point, we don't have one product that we're trying to solve everything with. We have four platforms, each serves a very select number of industries and we're not trying to go after everything. And by going deeply into industry with products, at least our perspective is that helps get at the the the, the future that you that you're talking about. 
right? Yeah, just to just to add, uh, you know, a couple of more uh, uh, angles to this, right? One of the things is that, like you you described, uh, Bob, you know, the 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 notion of ERP was served its purpose in the last twenty years. That was fine, but if you if today in the in the digital world, people want to consume the business service in a fashion that may not necessarily be through the user experience, right? So, so through the screen, right? If, if I have automation in my, in my plant, in my factory, uh, you know, robots are communicating with the, with the system in that scenario. If I have uh, Alexa for business at my desk, I'm communicating with uh, um, Alexa to get information from the ERP system, right? So in that scenario, we actually had the opportunity to build this uh, uh, literally from scratch, we spent $5 billion to, to build these solutions. Uh, obviously we stole our own design ideas from the acquisitions we had from before, but these solutions were built industry specific, built with a high degree of API centricity and high degree of data in um, you know, uh, centricity. So if you have a data rich architecture and I have API rich architecture, then these services can be consumed in a fashion that you couldn't do in the traditional application, right? So it's both the industry specific as well as modern technology that we feel is, is what needs to, to be there to drive digital transformation. Yeah, so many, Kevin, can I ask too, it's interesting now because on the one hand, you wanna have that, as you both described, this very deep, rich industry specific capability. And on the other hand, we see a lot of businesses today that are finding that I'll, I'll keep one foot maybe in this industry that has been, that hasn't changed much in 100 or 150, 200 years, but industry boundaries are dissolving a little bit and I need to be able to move sideways and sort of follow the money, follow the opportunities. How do you address that? Well, normally when we see situations like you described, companies aren't going in radically different directions. They're normally going into adjacencies. And the reason they choose those adjacencies is because they leverage what those companies tend to be good at. So when that's the case, we tend to do fine. Uh, if a company is going and doing something wildly different or they're massive conglomerates in all sorts of different industries, then we're probably not the right solution. And again, that's okay for us. We're not trying to solve everything for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Along the way, Kevin, are you finding, uh, you know, any big enterprise software company like Infor has to have, you know, a long history of relationships with a CIO or a CTO. Could you talk about some of the uh, emerging, evolving, or deepening relationships that you have with now? Is it the CEO, the CFO, CMO? Yeah, what I would say is, um, if you look, and, and really with COVID and things accelerating the way they have, it feels like it was a CIO was the primary relationship for a very long time. It feels now like it's a CIO, CFO, a, a conversation, and more and more the CEO is getting more into the details. And again, I think that's because it is transitioning from how do we replace a system or a technology to how do we actually solve a business problem or address something that's strategic? Um, and that changes both how you how you sell, how you install, but but it also changes that relationship because it becomes much more of a strategic partner than a vendor. Yeah, yeah, and so if I could ask, uh, probably a lot of the the companies you're doing business with, if they say to you, "Well, I have these old incumbent systems in here, can you work with me on top of those?" 
That's a great question. So one of the things that the, um, you know, the ERP providers um, have done is that you, what I would call a vertical stack, meaning you, you go completely with that vendor top to bottom, right? That has been the approach you own my, uh, you run on uh, my infrastructure, my cloud, my app. Um, and that kind of um, monolithic architecture doesn't lend itself for the next, you know, the, the next wave of digital uh, innovation that's happening in the, in the market, right? It's a great point. You know, if I could just cut in here for a second, I want to offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So what we also realize though, is that as we go into to one of a prospective customer, by going and saying that you have to completely rip and replace your systems to go with uh, what we have, that is not realistic. So yeah. we actually architected these uh, solutions, like I said earlier, in a very componentized fashion with coexistence in mind, right? So we can coexist with um, whoever the, the incumbent vendor is and provide extended value by integrating into that system. So openness in terms of embracing uh, customers ecosystem is actually at the core of what we are trying to do in our, in our uh, delivery. So I can I ask too, when you know, you're, you're talking to some of these companies, they, they clearly are looking for some additional capabilities, additional expertise and help. How do they frame with you the priorities that they, the business challenge priorities that they're facing? Yeah, it depends on the industry and, and the state at which that particular organization is in. Um, so sometimes, the capabilities that the customer requires may be in you know, what I would call a, a strategic edge application that may be outside the boundary of an ERP, right? Like for example, asset management. If I'm in an asset uh, uh, you know, intensive uh, environment, I wanna be able to manage my assets, whether it's factory floor, you know, the machines that are there, the robots that are um, you know, uh, making um, the operations run you want to be able to maintain that. And, and they may be having a, a strong need to make sure that their throughput um, can, be, can be supported by highest level of uptime with these machines, right? So that is maybe what I would call starting from the edge, not replacing okay. the core, but you deploy that, that could be a priority for them. In some cases where it is labor intensive, um, where they want to be able to manage their talent um, really well. So we, they may be starting with our HCM solution as a, as a starting point. So, so it depends on what the company is uh, um, looking for in terms of their trans transformational need. And that creates the priorities for them. And we can work with them. Like I said earlier, we can start anywhere and grow from there. Yeah. So Kevin, can I ask, uh, can I ask you here on that? Right. There's uh, nobody needs to tell you gentlemen that, it's a very, very competitive world out there. And if somebody, a prospective customer says, I like what you have going on here, but you know, are, does, does Infor have sort of the capability to continue to invest, you know, if not at the levels that Soma described of 5 billion to build this, but an, on an ongoing basis, can you keep up with some of these much larger companies? 
Yeah, and and you know there was a time when that was more of a struggle. Um, but as you may know, we're, we're private and extraordinarily well funded, um, mm-hmm. and that's actually given us an advantage on that front. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of companies say we're long term focused. We're we'll, we're your partner for the long term, but we got to make this number this quarter. So we need to get done with X and Y and Z. Um, we have a very very different approach. Um, we are truly thinking in decades and. That's the way our owners think. And so uh, when we talk with customers on that front, there's a lot of certainty around direction. And then that that shows up in, in how we deal with them as well. So to Soma's point, if we show up and they want to use Salesforce and we, they don't want our CRM, that's great. We'll partner because we're thinking about this over 10 years, not what can we do this quarter. Um, if there's elements that they want to add to the product and put it in our core, because they're in our industry and they want to partner that way, we'll often do that if it benefits a lot of customers. And so if you think in those longer term time cycles, um, certainty around direction uh, becomes much less of an issue because they truly feel like they're, they're with someone who's not looking to maximize this quarter's outcome. Yeah. There's yeah. One more thing, uh, Bob, I want to add here, which is actually a um, important angle. And that is earlier uh, when I was saying that, you know, we're, we're, you know, vertical stack where you own, you, you are the best at, at building the infrastructure, building the, the, uh, the cloud infrastructure on top of that, cloud services, the app on top of that, um, including the database that the, the solution uh, uh, utilizes, right? That was actually beneficial in, in the previous world. In, so our view is that if you embrace industry innovation, you actually can outspend any one vendor's uh, R&D budget. So if you think about, we run on uh, AWS, we leverage probably more services on AWS than any other um, uh, you know, application that is re- deployed on that, including probably Netflix. Uh, so we use a lot of their services. So if you add AWS's R&D, which actually is, uh, Amazon spends over 40 billion in R&D, we're riding on top of that, right? Mm. And we also embrace open source heavily, Apache Foundation, we use components, that millions of developers are contributing, why not leverage that? By doing that, we actually came, are spending way more than any other larger provider on the market. So is there a, is there a challenge to sort of putting all your chips on one, uh, one infrastructure provider? Uh, well, it has not been a challenge for the most part, right? There are certain segments of the market um, have preference of one over the other. But when we started this journey eight years ago, um, you know, AWS was, um, uh, was a leader, they, uh, they are still a leader. So rather than reinventing and trying to be, uh, you know, um, all things to all people, like Ke- Kevin said, that's not our goal. So we wanted to really optimize what we are doing on, on, a, on, a, on a hyperscaler who's also innovating at, at um, you know, lightning speed. So mm-hmm. it, it worked really well. Will we have portability and have, a, 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 you know, these applications available on other hyperscalers? Absolutely, as time goes on. But we wanted to get really good at doing this at one hyperscaler before we go out to, to be more portable. Okay, okay. And Kevin, I, I liked how you described the conversations now are sort of paired up CIO, CFO with the CEO being involved there more. I wondered, uh, are you seeing in some ways, right, like CIOs for 
a long time, maybe in the traditional way of running IT, they had a certain function. You often hear them say things like, we have to, my job is to support the business, but isn't in today's world, IT is part of the business. It's an essential part of the business. So do you see the sort of the culture between the uh, technology uh, department inside a big company and sort of the more traditional part of the business? Is that gap closing? Without a doubt. And, and I think that's a function of uh, both where business is going, but also technology. When you remove all of that infrastructure, uh, from a CIO's role. And again, all, any within software, all the customizations and integrations, you start to remove all of that. Um, they're pushed into really thinking more strategically and being part of the business, which frankly, most CIOs much prefer that anyway. Um, and so I think this is frankly kind of a win for everyone, but there's no question that's the way that things are going today is they're becoming a more strategic part of an organization. Okay. And um, so, Gentlemen, I also saw, you know, on your, your site, it says that um, Infor's got 67,000 customers across about 178 countries. And of those, I think 14,000 are cloud customers. Could you talk about your, your cloud business and offer any details about the growth rates of any kind? Yeah, um, what I'll tell you is we're, uh, of our three and a half billion, it's about a, about a billion dollars of, of run rate for us. Uh, and it's grown, you know, in gosh, about four or five years, we've been able to build that. So it's grown at quite a rapid rate. And mm -hmm. it, it's pretty interesting. Um, if you look at the composition of that, one of the things is we've gone deeply into industry with our multi-tenant cloud products. We've kept our existing on-premise customers in mind and given them a really nice pathway to move to the cloud that is uh, a lot simpler than alternative. So about a third of what we uh, have moved to the cloud has been our existing customers on on-premise systems moving, which, um, and that's growing quite a bit. About a third is net new. And then about a third is, again, we have, as Soma mentioned, suites. It's not just, hey, here's ERP, but in your industry, warehouse management and supply chain and asset management might be important. So we continue to expand that suite and cross-sell. So it's a nice cross-section of building new business, upgrading customers, and, and continuing to expand relationships. Okay. So Kevin, you mentioned four or five years there. So the billion dollar annualized run rate, are you saying that that's really been built up over these last four or five years? Is that right? Yeah, I, so you remember exactly what year did we really begin selling the existing cloud products? I, 2017. Okay, yep. Okay, yeah, it, it's an interesting detail there because I, I just believe that uh, you know, that for this year and next year, this notion of industry-specific clouds, industry-specific capabilities and solutions with the infusion of the, the incredible things now that AI can do, that ML can do, that it's just gonna be uh, an, a, a, one of the hottest, maybe most interesting parts of the entire cloud market is what you folks are doing here with these industry-specific capabilities and solutions. We agree. Um, I, I do think though, it's really hard. Uh, it's a, it is a bit of a messier business to go deeply into industry. Um, again, processes are extremely complex and unique. Um, it is not just having software, but having teams that really understand these industries. So I think there is a vast difference between having a branded industry approach um, versus showing up with products that are really purpose-built 
and a deep understanding of the uniquenesses of each industry because they are, when you get into the details, very, very different. Yeah, yeah. And so I wonder if I could ask you, both you and Kevin have alluded to the, the four platforms that Infor offers. Could you tell us about that and you know why that drives a certain level of value for customers? Yeah, I mean, so if you think about manufacturing, right? So we are well, manufacturing and distribution. That's a big uh, market segment we serve. Inside manufacturing, you have well, discrete manufacturing, meaning aerospace and defense, high-tech, automotive, and industrial manufacturing, where you are making things that are discrete in nature, right? So, so you generally need strong capability in multiple levels of bill of material. You need project-based um, um, delivery. You need to be able to do milestone billing. The capabilities you need in, in discrete manufacturing is there in one of our platforms that, that powers those suites. So the cloud suite, aerospace and defense, cloud suite, uh, automotive and so on, that's powered by that suite. Com contrast that to a process manufacturing suite, which serves um, yeah, you know, food and beverage, uh, fashion, specialty chemicals. Uh, if you look at those, they all have one thing in common, and that is you deal with attribute-based cues, right? Mm -hmm. In fashion, you have size fit color. In, in, um, in dairy, you have butterfat content, right? In your chemicals, you have potency. So if you align industries where have that level of commonality, we can build deep functionality for that, those industries because you don't, every, um, if you're a, a soup processor, every tomato that you get doesn't have the same amount of moisture, right? You gotta, you gotta understand that there's variability. So, so we, we took an engine, a core engine, I hate to call it ERP, that powers the, those process industries, right? And then we have one which powers service industries, which is primarily healthcare, public sector and financial services where there is no manufacturing, there is no order taking, it's much more catering to, to procure to, to pay. That process is very different than manufacturing industries and, and financial requirements are quite different. In a hospital, you wanna know how much are you spending by procedure, by physician, by patient. That is that's quite different than uh, manufacturing um, industry. So, so we have an engine that drives just the service industries. And then we have a fourth one, which is more for the, the, the SMB business, right? So, so you have your hundred million dollars or less, we, we power that uh, with that, that engine. So those are the four platforms that we go to market with that allows us to actually be much more agile so we can drive more functionality into, into specific industries faster. Okay. And the other big advantage, Bob, that, that really uh, resonates with customers and gets back to your early question of, are we investing enough? One of the other, elements of our business that's different is if you buy one of our products in one of these industries, you also know that all the R&D dollars are helping you. Um, right. So when you're buying a platform that serves every industry within GDP, only a fraction of the R&D benefits your business. But, but with us, it's actually every dollar. Yeah, mm -hmm. very important point, actually. Yeah. With the more precise, almost localized transaction there, right? It's going into this thing, will be plowed back into that as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Kevin, uh, Soma, are there, if anybody's hesitant in some ways about making this move with you, and you, you talked about the movement of a number of your 
uh, on-premises customers into the cloud. What, what's the concern these days, right? Is it around regulatory issues or data sovereignty or is it something else? Well, I think with Infor specifically, where we have the biggest challenge, frankly, is brand. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time acquiring companies. And then to Soma's point, we spent roughly $5 billion rewriting these multi-tenant systems, mm -hmm. um, which meant, frankly, we were probably inwardly focused for a long time. And it's only in the last few years that we've really had all the ingredients, the products, the market, uh, the technology. And so we've pushed it hard. But, but back to your question of kind of who from the C-level is involved, Oftentimes when you get to boards or way up in an organization and they are entrusting us with the most critical elements of their operation for hopefully decades, it's not a solvency question, but it's like in for it. I don't know those guys. Um, so that, that has been a headwind for us. Um, but beyond that, I think what most companies are reticent about is the, the, the risk of ERP that's existed in history that I think I'm signing up for a one-year project that's gonna cost X and it ends up being a five-year project that costs 10X. Um, right. And you know, I think we bring a different approach to that, but I think that's still where companies are, are worried about just the risk of entering these types of projects. Okay. And uh, guys, do you have time for one more question? Mm-hmm. What about, uh, you know, we, we hear a lot these days about, you know, partner ecosystems. Could you tell us, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the importance of that today and how is it different from, say, Kevin, to use your timeline before you started to roll out the cl cloud projects, products four or five years ago? Yeah, here is another area that were quite different than the alternatives in the market. Um, and I think, again, this is largely because we're private and um, can think in, in long time horizons and we're not optimizing for a public investor or a private equity investor. Um, we have an $800 million services business as well. So mm -hmm. when a customer wants to partner with a Deloitte or an Accenture or a typical SI, that's great. We absolutely work with them, um, but we'll have our services teams there as well to make sure that mm -hmm. there's one throat to choke and we're clearly part of this and, and are answerable to any issues. We're also happy to own a lot of the implementations if, if that's preferable to a customer and can do that in advantaged ways. And then we have quite a large uh, partner network for companies less than a hundred million or so in revenue. But again, we're happy to kind of partner on that front as well. So I would say we're quite open and work with partners a lot, but also have other alternatives and, and mixes and options that, that customers tend to like. Okay. And, uh... Guys, before we uh, before we go here, is there anything in particular that either of you would like to add? Soma? Uh, no, I think we covered what we needed to cover, but but um, you know, uh, I would say that um, you know it's it's about industry specificity. It's about industry last mile in both feature and content. When I say content, uh, the the thousands of customers who are deploying these solutions in the cloud we have access to this data that we can turn into insights and drive back uh, you know, productivity for our users, as well as using the data, we can actually embed AI, which we didn't talk too much about, but our idea here is you know, standalone AI projects have been there, they've been tried, they are useful in some use cases, but our idea is if we are industry specific, why can't we have industry specific AI embedded into our solution for automation, for optimization, for advisory functions, right? So, so we have some 
we believe we have some um, unique advantage here because of this industry specificity in, in all of these different angles and that hopefully, um, you know, we will be able to, to deliver more and more value, value as time goes on and customers can leverage this beyond uh, ways that they ever imagined in traditional okay. applications. Okay. Kevin, anything from you? No, I just, we're, we're thrilled that you're diving deeply into industry specific solutions. I mean, we're biased, but, but we certainly think that's absolutely where the future is. And um, the more we're all innovating in that direction, I think ultimately our end customers will benefit. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, we've, we've heard from a couple of companies recently, right? Now a, a public presentation, you've probably seen such, and Adela said that Microsoft's now industry first. Um, the head of the you know, industry clouds at Salesforce recently said, same with us, we're industry first. So um, we see companies from IBM and others you know, moving in this direction. I just think it's wonderful for customers. And then the competition that arises within that and the incredible investments and capabilities that companies like Infor and the others are making here, it's just gonna provide um, you know, a very, very bountiful buyer's market, it seems. So it's, uh, it's just expect incredible growth of this over the next few years. We completely agree with you and hopefully we're participants in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds great. Kevin Soma, thank you so much for the time here. It's been a pleasure and thank you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Thanks for having us. Thank, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks a lot. Very good and thanks to all of you folks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope you've enjoyed this conversation with the leaders at Infor and we will be back soon with lots more coverage of what's going on in this red hot area of the industry cloud. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>